Building an online business is more than branding, content, and sales. It's what happens behind the scenes during the highs and lows that make or break your business. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and this is The Kim Doyle Show. I'll be sharing my own journey of 10 plus years growing an online business, as well as talking to entrepreneurs who are on the ground, creating, building, and showing up every day. Remember, do business as only you can do. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. I am your host, Kim Doyle. Oh my goodness, guys, this is uh, the second time I'm recording this episode. Talk about rocky start, right? Getting back into podcasting. I did that with the last episode. All is well, though. Uh, I am using Squadcast to record this, and I'll fill you guys in on that another time. But today's episode is what I would do today if I were starting my business over, right? Or what I would do if I were starting my business today. Six of one. <laughs> but um, this this is this episode came about because I received an email from a friend and someone I've coached in the past asking me what I would do if I were starting out today. It was it was kind of specific to he was asking about the planner and should he use that for just doing YouTube and, uh, and the planner is our content creators planner. If you're not familiar with that. And he had sent me an email. So there was two emails in a week and he had gone through a couple of different transitions in his business since I've known him. And he's been sort of trying to find his place, so to speak. So he's always implementing and taking action. So that's not really the issue, but the first email he sent, <clears throat> which was about a week ago, well, probably two weeks at this time now, but was that he had taken a break from social media and a lot of other things that he had been doing so that he could focus on his business. He said he'd gotten caught up in the wrong things, which I don't know who hasn't, right? But he was spending time and energy with things that weren't really in alignment with who he was. And hear my heart, I am paraphrasing because alignment is everything to me. So you can put your word in there that works for you. Um, he just said it didn't feel right. And his emails really resonated with me because I have totally been there. So many of you heard my story. Uh, but for those of you who haven't, I'm going to do a recap of my journey. And I'll tell you where things really pivoted for me. And <clears throat> I'm going to pre-qualify <laughs> this episode again with welcome to allergy season and for some reason, <clears throat> my voice seems to go this time of year every year. Uh, but I started my business in 2008. I had spent the uh, the majority of my adult working life in retail management, which, you know, as much as I enjoyed the companies I worked for, it was not what I wanted to be doing long term. I have always known that there was something else I was supposed to do with my life. And I tried multiple times, guys, like I did the whole network marketing which it was probably 30, 25 years ago, last time I did that. Kudos to you out there who can do that. It is not my forte. Um, I opened a retail scrapbook store. I had a contract recruiting company. You know, so I have definitely had my fair share, <laughs> right, uh, of um, ventures, so to speak. And I was widowed in 2003 while I was still working full time. Uh, I was 32. And you know, the next five years were a bit of a blur. 
And keep in mind, I had a six-year-old and a two-year-old at the time when I lost my husband. And that blurry window, (laughs) I got out of retail. I tried my hand at real estate and insurance, both which were way too dry for me. Um, And real estate, also kudos to realtors, because I the being on call thing drove me absolutely bananas. And uh, I just knew those weren't those weren't right for me either. You know, and I even went about like when I got my insurance license, I thought, oh, I can sell, you know, life insurance of all people, I should be able to sell that because of what I'd been through, right? And it just, it wasn't me. So um, in 2008, I actually had a settlement surrounding my husband's death. And you guys, it was, it was enough to give me a cushion to say, screw it, I'm going all in with my business. Um, and a little bit of money for the kids for school, nothing I could retire on. Right. Um, but the, the benefit is that it gave me the runway I needed. And so back it up a little bit in that window there in 2006, I discovered internet marketing. I'd gone to an event in San Francisco, which was the real estate wealth expo, which was put on by the learning annex. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Here's a bizarre little fact for you. Trump was a keynote speaker along with Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> Anywho, but the my friend, the friend I'd gone with, so we went to one of those, you know how they, a lot of big events and conferences, they'll have different uh, tracks and classes and stuff that you can go to. So we went to one, uh, one of the scheduled workshops on internet marketing. And we were hooked immediately. I, I There was something in me that I knew the internet was going to be my ticket out and towards. And I say that because the out, you know, it's very common, I think, to want to get out of the situation. But at the time, I actually wasn't working in retail anymore. um, But it was more about moving towards something. And I know that sounds like semantics, but I think there's so much value in reframing how you look at things and how you talk about them. So there's that. Uh, from there, I dug a little deeper and I learned as much as I could. And in that window, I remember, well, actually, even, um, I want to say before, I it's, it's a little bit of a blur, guys. It was a while ago. But uh, I had always been a big audio book listener. The, one of the first retail jobs I had was for a bookstore. I was in the book industry for 10 years. I started as a clerk in high school and ended up as a district manager in San Francisco. And I listened to cassette tapes all the time in the car. And it was a Nightingale Conant. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with them, but that's all the Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. There were, of course, books on tape there in the store as well. Um, And, you know, Tony Robbins, I did the whole motivational thing. And it eventually shifted to more spiritual and a little bit less, I don't know, old school 80s testosterone, be a success kind of thing. <laughs> um, but I happened to pick up a, this was a CD set, right? So now we're moving along <laughs> to technology getting better with CDs versus tapes. And I bought a CD set called Build Your Mega Speaking Empire with Mark Victor Hansen. Mark Victor Hansen is one of the co-founders or co-authors, I guess you would say, of... Um, Chicken soup for the soul, right? And so one of the things I'd always wanted to do was speak, which is fun that I've got a podcast now. And I've spoken at a couple events. And it's something I may or may not pursue. I'm not attached to it either way. But like I was a speech major for a while in college, I spoke at my high school graduation. 
you get the point. However, I was listening to the CD set and one of the speakers at his event was an internet marketer. And I just remember thinking, what? And the guy who was talking was sharing how one of the tools he used, which at the time was one shopping cart. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but he had white labeled it for himself. So he had a recurring affiliate commission, you know, of like 25 grand a month because he promoted this over and over and over again and talked about, you know, keywords and meta tags and content and all this stuff. I had no idea what it was, but it just grabbed me. There was something about all of it that that grabbed me. Anyways, so when I launched my business in 2008, I I truly thought I was going to be an information marketing millionaire. (laughs) Seriously, you guys, the the workshop that we'd gone to at that event, the guy was writing eBooks, making like eight or $9,000 a month. One was on party planning. One was on a pet rat. I mean, they were random, random things. And keep in mind, guys, back then, so 2008, whatever, 2006 is when that was being talked about. I mean, you had to know, you know, front page web builders, or I mean, I think, gosh, WordPress was probably just getting started in 2006 or well, maybe a little earlier, a few years. But I mean, it was a lot harder than it is today, but it still felt possible, for lack of a better term. And so I started in 2008, I joined a social media course, and it was like a $1,500 course. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is so much money. But I committed to being active in the course. There was a forum. I connected with other people. I had conversations. I asked questions. And that's when I signed up for Facebook and Twitter initially. Um, I was just committed to figuring it out. And then I would say it was the summer of 2008 is when I really discovered WordPress. I registered the domain, the WordPress check. Ignorance is bliss. Uh, Before I had to do the WP, copyright infringement. (laughs) But I... I remember posting on Elance. I believe it was Elance at the time. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, but I wanted help with WordPress and AdSense. I thought I would make money putting little Google ads. I would create content. And the first site, <coughs> excuse me, was the self-help chick. But I was like, oh my God, the WordPress chick. <laughs> and it's so funny, guys, because I just was not a coder or a programmer. And to be quite honest, I was never even that technical. My husband was a computer geek, like programming in eighth grade, which was like 1982, right? Um, but before I knew it, I was creating websites for people locally. Some I bartered, some were paid. And I just started creating content about what I was learning. It brought money in, but my heart was never really into it. Fast forward five years, because I just kept kind of plugging away, plodding along through this. And before you knew it, I had outsourcers working for me. I was doing some coaching and I decided to start podcasting. I started the podcast because I wanted to have more fun in my business. That is it, you guys. I had zero expectations. But like I said before, I always loved audio content and I loved listening to podcasts. I was a huge uh, fan of Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. And it's not that I don't like him anymore. Um, it, it's just, I've you know, you move on to different things. I have a ton of respect for what he's created and built. And I loved the hour long format. So I thought I'm going to do that. I would do a solo show and then I would do an interview, a solo show and an interview. And to this day, you guys, it is absolutely one of the best things I ever did. I found my voice. I grew an audience and I created some amazing relationships. 
my podcast also brought in business. I got website clients, coaching clients, podcast clients, which I'm going to explain in a minute, and traffic. It quickly became one of my top traffic sources. So in 2013 is when I started the podcast. And there were only one or two other that I remember, uh, WordPress podcast. So it was crazy how quickly it grew. And then the outsourcing grew, as did my coaching. And I don't remember when I finally pulled the trigger to hire outsourcers. I just got tired of, I mean, I learned a lot. I'm completely self-taught, but I, I even remember going to a class in Berkeley, not UC Berkeley. Um, but I looked up to be, uh, to, to learn CSS and I drove out and I went to a class on CSS and it was okay, but it just, it's not my wheelhouse guys. Not the way my brain works. Um, which is why I hired developers. So I had done a course on using WordPress and the Genesis framework for beginners, which did fairly well, but I really felt like I was stuck in the time for money trap, as well as being the how-to person for a market that didn't want to spend money, which was my perception. This market spends plenty of money, but I had also, I, I jokingly say that I created a list of freebie seekers, which obviously they were not all freebie seekers. And I'm going to touch on this later when I give you the tangible, what I would do today. But it took, I waited way too long to make an offer and to sell to my audience. So in between this time, I launched Influence Podcasting. Uh, I hired Jason Hornung and his advertising agency uh, to help me with Facebook ads and the offer. It was more of a high ticket offer, like six to $7,000 for a done for you podcasting service. Um, there was a lot involved and I'm not going to go into it, but I, I believe so much in the power of podcasting. It really was not a difficult sale. And I had had enough experience and enough results from it. Um, but at the end of the day, it was still service work. And I wanted to spend more time creating my own products as well as my own podcast, right? It's like, it was one of those things that I was like, I should be doing more for my show. But I was fortunate that the people that I did work with were awesome. Um, one has become a good friend and she is a huge inspiration. Um, and I would say, let's see, I'm trying to speed this up a little bit, but at the end of 2016, I decided I was done with outsourcing and websites. And what I will tell you, like the coaching and the outsourcing, that all grew organically as well, because I, I launched, um, I got into a mastermind uh, that I've talked about quite a bit, um, and I'll touching, I'll touch on that here. I was in it for a few years, and so, gosh, I want to say it was uh, 2014 when I joined the mastermind, and I started running ads for a coaching program. And I, it was, it's kind of generic, like this digital strategy. And, and I was, it, it, I wish I could explain this better to you guys, other than the fact that it always felt a little bit off because from the time I was doing websites, I always felt like an imposter. And I mean, it, it brought me where I'm at, but it's you have to get clear on messaging, which we're going to talk about anyways. Um, but the ads, what happened so is I was running ads. And I'm going to tell you this was in the heyday of Facebook ads being super easy and fun is I spent $80 and probably made up a, a little bit over 10,000 in coaching clients. And not in like one shot, right? It was a contract here and there. But what was happening is the coaching clients were needing outsourcing. And so that just grew like I had a development team. And I'm like, Oh, well, they would put people on retainer. And then I had a designer and we brought on other people. So that's how that grew. It was never something I set out to do as well. Um, 
So again, back to end of 2016, I decided I was done with the outsourcing and the websites, which was really tough because I had recurring revenue from the outsourcing company, but I was done managing people. And I partnered with a friend. (laughs) Oh, goodness. But keep trying. You can't say I'm not tenacious. Um, And we thought we were going to launch a SaaS product called Lead Surveys. Some of you guys who've been listening and on this journey with me remember that a year and a half later, we did launch it. But then we closed it down two months later. I've chronicled that whole journey on another podcast episode. And I am very proud to say that we're still friends with and and I have nothing but love for him. And it was just a huge learning experience. And there's a lot of more personal reasons why that didn't work. Um, he had some health issues. I had some other stuff going on personally. And it was just timing. However, uh, the magic happens when you detach from things. This is This is totally my experience, like I said, with the podcast where I didn't have expectations and what it did, right? So when I, whenever... And this is strictly for me. I can't speak to anybody else. But when I do things because it feels good and it's fun and I'm excited and I'm inspired and I let go of what it's supposed to do and produce in terms of a monetary return, the monetary return is greater and faster. I I wish, (laughs) you know, that's a whole universal energy thing, I guess, but it's how it's worked for me. So prior to shutting that down, though, I had also decided it was time to say goodbye to the WordPress chick and move to my personal brand. That was in the spring of 2018. I had also created the Facebook group uh, content creators in the summer of 2017. And I was having a ton of fun with it. I put again, zero expectations on what the group would look like or how I was going to monetize it. My only intention was to show up consistently and have some fun. And there have definitely been times where I'm super, super active in the group there are certain things that consistently happen regardless. Uh, I did a lot more live streaming early on. The last couple of years have been really tough personally. Um, now that I'm getting settled again, we'll be launching a lot more of that again. But, um, you know, the cool thing that came out of that is that I really got clear that creating content was my sweet spot. And I was simply following that inspiration because even when I switched to the personal brand, Kim Doyle, I wasn't sure what the focus was going to be. I thought, okay, digital strategy, like, like a lot of other people online today, I know a decent amount about a handful of things that I could talk on, but it's like, what makes me happy? What do I enjoy? And a little side note, guys, if you go back to the things you've always enjoyed doing, kind of enjoyed doing as a child, even, you know, I owned a scrapbook store from 1998 to 2000. um, And I had some font stickers published. I was an art major for a while. I know I was like the the hopping major, but I took a ton of art classes. I really thought I was going to get into graphic design. And so in so many ways, everything I'm doing today has been this culmination of who I am and how I move through the world and the things that bring me joy, right? So it was in the summer of 2018 that I had the idea for a content planner. And I reached out to my friend and now business partner, Jody Hirsch, asking her if she knew InDesign by Adobe. It's their publishing software. And she said, yes. And she's like, yeah, what do you need? <laughs> Keep in mind, she was on a cruise in the Mediterranean, uh, in Europe at the time. I think it was the Mediterranean. Um, so I told her about my idea for the content creators planner. And I asked her if she'd like to partner on it or could I hire her? She instantly said yes. And I was like, well, which one is it? And she said, yeah, I'd love to partner with you. 
So you guys, we went from idea to launching the content creators planner in about four months. And I, I am going <laughs> to say this quote probably the rest of my life. And I believe it's Einstein, but nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And that is absolutely the case with the content creators planner. And that inspiration, and I promise I'll stop apologizing here in a second for reiterating and repeating stories, but that inspiration came because of another time I was just playing and having fun. I had gotten into, well, I tried to get into the bullet journal. If you guys aren't familiar, it's a whole system with journaling and that uses the dot grid paper versus line paper or like a graph. And there's this whole system. And my aunt told me about it and it was cute because she had showed me, she even got some like stencil templates, um, stencils, not templates, stencils to do doodles and stuff in, in the journal. So I start getting into this and I got one and I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. I'm like, oh, this is just a little bit too restrictive for me. But I loved the paper and I was having a ton of fun with colored pens again, right? Like I used to teach the lettering classes at my scrapbook store. So I have way more scrapbook supplies and pens and all that stuff than I care to admit. But I'd also gotten into watercolors. I I decided I needed art back in my life. So this is all happening kind of spring 2018. <coughs> Excuse me. And so one night I decided to test. I had shifted my bullet journal from a bullet journal to whatever I felt like doing. <laughs> so one spread might be mapping out a funnel. Another spread might be what do I want my life to look like. Another page might be what is what are the qualities I want in a life partner, that kind of, I mean, I literally did whatever I wanted, you guys. But so what I did is I, I took my phone and I took like three photos of different spreads. And it was like, you know, doodling and lettering and colored pens and stuff. So it was kind of fun. And I published three stories to Instagram. The first story got like 53 views or something. The second story got 500 something views because I had used the hashtag journaling. And then the third story, I didn't. And it got like another 50 something. And as I'd gotten into this bullet journaling, I realized that the world of journaling <laughs> is like this whole subculture. There's digital journals, there's doodling, there's planners, there's people just, I mean, million subscribers on YouTube and they plan out their spread for the month and they show how to draw things. And it was just like, oh my Lord. <laughs> it, it was like being a kid again. It felt so much fun. And that's where this idea came from because I would always find myself going to pen and paper to map stuff out with content. <coughs> Excuse me. So again, we did this in four months. We had a failed Kickstarter. We pivoted to pre-sales off our website and which again, we had, we had had people supported us and pitched in to, to back the Kickstarter. And when we realized we weren't going to hit it, we did, we pivoted to getting WooCommerce up. Thank you, Jody. In a week, the week right after Christmas, uh, we offered the pre-sale, the same rewards and everything on New Year's Eve. And we did like $1,500 in sales on New Year's Eve. It was just like, all right, people want this. And so <clears throat> it, it, <laughs> it was a wild, crazy time. But then in March of 2019, we started shipping the first edition of the planner. And I've told the whole story. We did a whole uh, live stream that you can check out on, you know, how we went from a failed Kickstarter to over 40,000 in sales. Our highest month, I think, is 67. Um, <clears throat> but we told the whole story so you can get that. But 
The other thing we did was that we started running ads as soon as possible. And we made that decision. So we had the physical planner in March. And by May, we had had our funnel up and our, our ad, everything. So we started with 10 bucks a day. And we were profitable from day one. I mean, all we have to do is sell one planner, right? And it would cover our ad costs. So then life threw us some big curveballs. Jody had some serious health issues to take care of. My mom got sick and passed away within six weeks um, in June of last summer. And it completely turned my world upside down. So I can't even talk about it without crying. I was planning on moving to Boise last fall. Um, but instead I moved up to stay with my dad through the transition, both my kids were out on their own. And I have now officially been in Boise for a month. <laughs> and I decided to make that move at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but, but truly the content creators planner has without a doubt been the inspiration and motivation to get me through all of this, you know? So like I was telling you, um, with our sales, we then brought an, an ad agency last fall. And we went from like 6,000 in November to 41,000 in December, 67 in January, February and March were like half of that for a lot of reasons. We actually have a new ad agency. Everything is getting back on track. And for what it's worth off script here, but if you have ever considered doing ads, now's the time to do it. The ad costs have come down quite a bit. A lot of people have pulled their ads, so it's cheaper again. And I would jump into this right now if I were you. Um, but this all brings me to now, which is the very end of April, 2020. I wanted to share this with you to show that it has been anything but a straight line. You know, it's, it would be so great if when we had these ideas for a business that we mapped it out and it just worked. I have found more than anything else that I get clarity through doing. I get the clarity through showing up, publishing, testing, tweaking, trying stuff. So, you know, get out of the planning phase at some point and pull the trigger. All right. So this finally brings me to <laughs> the topic of this episode, which is what I would do if I were starting my business today. Um, and I don't know if you can hear the birds outside <laughs> it's chirping. I've got the window open. Just needed a little sip of coffee there. Um, so before I get into the specifics and tangible things you can do, which I promise you I will. Things really changed for me when I changed my mindset. You guys, I had been chasing the dream of the internet lifestyle since I started my business, since I had that little inkling in 2006 at that workshop of what that would look like to be making that much money every month, right? Outside of a job. And I knew plenty of people who were having big launches, they were making a ton of money. Uh, they had, you know, charging 1000s of dollars a month, the mastermind I was in was $3,000 a month. I mean, I was around a lot of that. And for some reason, that tipping point, for lack of a better term, continued to elude me. Uh, the closest I'd gotten to it probably was with the podcast service. Because of how I feel about podcasting. It was an easy sell. I worked with Jason Hornung really restored my faith in the internet marketing space in general, uh, because he delivered and his integrity was was on point. And, you know, I think we're getting to that, especially with what's going on today, that people who just talk the talk, but have not walked the walk. Um, 
This is not an <laughs> overnight thing, as you can tell from my experience. And not that it needs to take you 12 years. It doesn't. Um, but my mindset at that time was always focused on that moment. Um, the one big win, right? Like the other thing I'm shared, you guys, I made a movie in 2010 called the women of women in business 2.0. I interviewed big name marketers, huge disappointment, lost money, thought it was going to do phenomenal. It's just, you know, so just know like, but the biggest thing that I can tell you that has kept me going is just that I've kept going. Right. And truly a bad day, week, month, year doing this is better than a great week working for someone else. Like I, I just, I, I, that is who I am. Right. So it was in 2016 that I made a very conscious decision that I was going to focus on fundamentals and mastery. And I just thought, okay, you got to just come back to practice. And that sounds silly, but you know, like as an example, I played the piano for, for about 10 years and I had to practice and it was obvious every piano lesson I went to, if I hadn't practiced that week before, and it's like, you better get, do what you got to do, put the practice in, right? Which is where you get to the point where, you know, mastery, you're good at it, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so I made that decision. And you guys, tactics are fun. Like I love the, to try new stuff like Messenger and ManyChat. I still believe in that. I don't know how that's going to fit into my business. I love having people register for live streams, using that for event notification. However, you know, that is, I would consider a tactic. The strategy would be being able to write good copy that gets people to take action to register for something via messenger, right? So if you understand strategies and you have skills, it's so much easier to test and try tactics and to get them to work. So I really decided that I was going to build a solid foundation for my business based on tried and true marketing strategies. Best decision ever. And I don't want you to think that I was just like flying by the seat of my pants all the time. I kept going, but you know, again, there's a difference between immersing yourself in something to the point you understand it well enough to, to get, um, what's the word I'm looking for to get the results and the data you need to make the adjustments versus just publishing a post and moving on to the next thing, publishing a post and moving on to the next thing as an example. All right, here are my recommendations on what I would do. And I'm sorry if that was really loud, um, on if I were starting my business today, <coughs> First of all, get crystal clear on who you serve and the problems you solve. You have to know who you're helping and why they need your help. I call this work the intangible work that every business needs to take the time to do, but so many do not. Myself included, guys, I didn't because I wasn't sure. And so, <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to finish this coffee. It's 1.30. I'll be awake all night. Um, but you want to start by, by understanding your brand and your brand story. And by the way, this feels intangible because there is no direct outcome, but it pays off everywhere. So you can use a tool like Donald Miller's story brand guide. It's free to use. You can click in the, in the show notes or just go to mystorybrand.com and fill out your brand script. So the first time you do it, it might feel difficult, but it's also going to be eye-opening. I highly recommend you read the book before doing the exercise or better yet, do it before reading the book and then go back and adjust it after reading the book. You know, one thing that you've probably heard used is an analogy 
of dating and how it's used as a comparison to marketing, right? And it's a great example. Not only do you not go on your first date and say, will you marry me, right? You have to build the relationship, but we learn, most people learn anyways, what they want in a partner before they make a commitment through the process of dating and experience, right? And so the keyword being most, um, but we also learn what we don't want through experience. So it's super true of marketing. You just will get a feeling for, ah, that's icky. That doesn't feel right. Or I'm glad that works for other people, but I have no desire to ever do that. You know, one of the things Jody and I are very adamant on is how we show up when we're running ads in that our advertising has to be in alignment with who we are as people the type of content we create, the way we engage and connect and communicate with our our customers and our audience. You know, the bro marketing, oh, God, I'm ready for that to die. But it's it's just not who we are. So, so we're very adamant that the language um, that is used in any of our advertising is decent <laughs> for, like, you know, human decency, I mean. All right, so the other thing is defining who your ideal customer is vitally important. And there are plenty of tools and resources available to do this. Um, but you know, it's whether it's, you know, your ideal client avatar is a term, your ideal customer, whatever you want to do with that. And it's, these tend to be the demographics where it's, you know, their age, their interests, their income, their hobbies, what other businesses they might subscribe to, etc. What I really enjoy doing <laughs> is digging into the psychographics of your ideal customer. And personally, I find this much more helpful, to be honest with you. Uh, so let me explain to you, according to Google's dictionary definition of psychographics, psychographics are the study and classification of people according to their attitudes, aspirations, and other psychological criteria, especially in market research, right? All of this will guide you on the content and products you create. It makes it a lot easier when you know who you're helping and why you're helping them. This psychographics piece one thing I, I created this sort of exercise, sort of exercise. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to be direct. I created this exercise in um, the master class, and I've done this in my Everything is Content course on coming up with your core content values, right? So whenever I'm creating content, I want people to feel better for having engaged with me. And that sounds super generic and Pollyanna, and I don't care, but I love it because I want them to either learn something, they'll feel better. I want them to be entertained, right? We all like to have fun. <laughs> um, or I want them to resonate and, and have it touch them and say, wow, thank you. I'm not the only one who went through that, right? So I know that my intention with my content is that people feel better for having consumed it. That's my core content value, right? And so when I look at psychographics, an example of why I have always felt that the podcast is one of the best things I've ever done. If someone is willing to sit and listen to me <laughs> for an hour, like we could probably hang out and have a beer together, right? This is my tribe. These are my people. Obviously, I'm not going to resonate with everyone and that's fine. But I want people who are, here's a psychographic for you. Self-responsibility is a big one for me, you know, and I'm a firm believer that obviously we cannot control everything, but we can always control how we respond to stuff. That doesn't mean you respond perfectly all the time, but you go sideways, whatever you circle back and what, what role did I play in that? How can I shift the way I feel? So self-responsibility, kindness, 
wanting to make the most of their life. Like these are all qualities I look for in people in general. Um, but this is the type of audience that I hope to attract, right? So defining psychographics is really helpful. All right. So just to reiterate that first thing is getting crystal clear on who you serve and the problems you solve. The next one would be to study, practice, and understand copywriting and direct response marketing. You guys, if prizes were handed out for being stubborn here, I would absolutely take first place. I proudly proclaimed that I was not good at copywriting and I wore it like, oh, I can create content, but I'm not a copywriter. I'm not a copywriter. And I still would not call myself a copywriter, but I've completely reframed how I look at this. And, you know, I had a few friends that, that were better at it and I would constantly go to them for guidance. Here's the thing though. (laughs) Another thing I keep saying over and over, you're not going to get good at something by not doing it. And this is also something that can feel hard to stick with because it takes a ton of time and practice. Do it anyway. You guys learning the skill is going to help with every single piece of your business, content marketing, email marketing, sales pages, courses, podcasting, video, you name it. When you understand, because copy is really about the psychology of why people do what they do. And when it term comes to terms, oh my God, let's try this again. In terms of why people do what they do with buying decisions or taking action, right? Maybe I really should stop the coffee, <laughs> but copywriting is at the core of all of that. And so you guys, nothing else will help you increase your bottom line as much as having this skill set. I can absolutely guarantee you. Um, if you can hire someone to do it for you, then great. But make sure you have a solid understanding of it so you can ensure who you are is being well represented, right? I said this earlier that this is something Jody and I have been adamant about with advertising for the content creators planner. We don't do bro marketing or make false promises. Um, one thing I would recommend too, first of all, there's a ton of books out there that you can get to start with copy. One of the things uh, that I did is I've, I've given this example where I followed Ben Settle for probably a year. He has a physical newsletter called Email Players. And I was just on his list for a year and I would get his daily emails. And then I started practicing those my, myself. Like, and it was a month of crickets, you guys, when I started doing that. But it, but I watched and studied him for a year before I even purchased Email Players you know, but, but truly there are so many ways to learn this without having to invest in thousands of dollars, because I think copywriting courses, unless you want to be a copywriter, I personally wouldn't spend a couple thousand dollars at this point because of where my time and energy is at. Right. But subscribe and study first, then invest once you've started implementing. And there are a handful of people I trust and follow they walk their talk and how they do it resonates with me. And I'm not necessarily talking about um, people who teach copywriting. Like I love Ramit Sethi. Uh, I will teach you to be rich. And I bought a couple of his courses. I think he is completely in integrity with what he does, how he shows up his messages. And by the way, the I will teach you to be rich is not get rich quick overnight. It's about being responsible and smart with money. Um, Russell Brunson. I love, I don't use ClickFunnels, but I absolutely love their marketing. I think there's a ton to learn from it. Expert Secrets was my favorite book of his. I'm waiting to get Traffic Secrets. Um, it completely shifted my mindset on building a community and 
and how you show up and getting people from point A to point B on the journey with you. So all that being said, it's phenomenal. And there are a lot of tools out there. One tool I would highly recommend is uh, Funnel Scripts, which is, it might actually be like two grand now. Joe bought this when we were starting the advertising for the planner. At the time, I think it was like $500. And a lot of these things feel cheesy, like, oh, really? It's like a Mad Libs for creating copy. However, (laughs) you guys, the ad we created that ran for a good six months before we hired the advertising agency and paid off was created with Funnel Scripts. And it kicks out this a ton of copy. It gives you examples, and then you can tweak from there. So even having a tool that's a starting point um, is is really helpful. The other piece of this, when it comes to you know study practice, understand copywriting and direct response marketing, a big piece of direct response marketing is paid traffic. I, man, guys, I would do this as soon as you possibly can. Take the time to understand it, learn it, and or hire someone to do it for you. You can absolutely grow a business without it, but it is not 2010 anymore. And so there's a ton more competition. I think a lot of the garbage content is going to start sinking to the bottom that this is all my Kim's predictions with her crystal ball. Um, but you can get there so much faster by investing in paid traffic and, you know, skip buying extra courses and tools, put your money in paid traffic as soon as possible. And like I said before, you guys, now is a very good time to invest in this because, costs have come down. Um, And like I told you, 10 bucks a day, guys, is what we started with. So that's $300 a month. Give yourself one or two months. I mean, how many courses out there are a couple thousand dollars that you still need traffic, right? And so a solid organic content SEO plan paired with some paid traffic is gold. So, and keep in mind, you know, like what we've done is, is literally just Facebook and Instagram. We are just this week with our new ad agency getting into like Google display network. We haven't touched Pinterest or YouTube or linked nothing else yet. You guys. So, I mean, it's just do it, <laughs> you know, f- go to Udemy and find a high rated course on, you know, starting Facebook ads. I, I highly recommend it. All right. Next up would be focus on building your list and property you own. I am forever grateful that I fell in love with WordPress early on and I understood the power of having your own site and brand versus just building a brand on social, as an example. Um, But from day one, when I got in this space in 2008, the message was always build your list, build your list, you know. So I always had an opt-in and an email list. I just didn't really know what to do with it. So I would email occasionally. I tried different formats, the dreaded easing, <laughs> which was novel at the time. Uh, but I finally found my sweet spot with more of that story style email with one call to action, which I mentioned earlier. You know, I, I implemented that studying Ben Settle. And because of that, I have slowly fallen in love with writing. Um, I really enjoy the process of just even this podcast episode, guys, it's like a 3000 word post, I got lost in it. And it's, um, it's a little bit therapeutic for me, I guess. Um, But it helps me in all areas of my business because of the thought process required for the different types of content I'm creating. And again, I don't think I'll ever call myself a copywriter, but the process has at least become enjoyable. And I'm having fun with the mastery. And now I get excited when I am learning, you know, that a small tweak to copy can make a difference in conversions. You know, I look at the success that Jody and I have had 
but the planner so far, and I just keep thinking, oh my gosh, and we haven't even gotten into tons of split testing or trying to get different. I mean, it's, it's wild when you understand how impactful that can be. Um, so the other piece is to make sure that you are focusing on a property you own. In other words, your own website. And I will say this as long as I am in this space, which I hopefully intend to be for the rest of my life. So I'll be a 19 year old writing, writing podcast episodes. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Should you publish on other platforms? Absolutely, you guys, but your site should always be your first priority. So if you're focused on building a YouTube channel that has massive SEO value as well, I would then make sure that you publish your videos on your own site with supporting content. You can drive people to your site or to YouTube. I would do both, but, and, and don't get caught up in, you do not have to, you know, have some $5,000 branded site. It's so easy to get up a nice, clean, simple WordPress site with wordpress.org, not.com. So it's self-hosted, right? Like find a good host. Um, because there's SEO value to the sooner you get that up and publish it, you know, Google looks at, I mean, you guys, I had some, uh, for a while I had, and I don't, it's all taken down, but it was WordPress website packages. I ranked number one on Google, you guys, because I had put it up way back when I started the WordPress chick and it was just a page on my site. I mean, I had people reach out to me to want to buy that from me, like the URL, like redirect or whatever. I never did that. But the point is, do it sooner than later. Don't wait for perfection. Um, all right, here is the next tip. So again, just to reiterate, that was focus on building your list and a property you own. This next tip is to sell as soon as you have something of value, even if you don't feel ready. I learned this, God, did I learn this the hard way with the WordPress check. I gave and gave and gave. Like I said, I felt like I built a list of freebie seekers. Obviously, it was not the entire list, but I had essentially trained people not to expect anything for sale from me. I was even hesitant to give out affiliate links. It was just, I was like, oh, but if I tell them it's an affiliate link, they're not going to want to buy. And <laughs> who you become in the process, guys, is pretty amazing because now it's like, no. Nope. Wait, don't buy that. Here's my affiliate link. Um, I really dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome under that brand because I wasn't a developer or a coder. I, it wasn't until I got clear on my message that things shifted. My role in the WordPress ecosystem was to help the everyday user with WordPress and marketing. My tagline became a place where WordPress and marketing collide. Finally, it felt like I was home, so to speak. So even if you don't have your own product or service ready for sale, and for what it's worth, I don't know if you ever feel ready until you just pull the trigger. You prepare as best as you can. At some point, you have to get it out into the world. Recommend products and services you use, you know, and make sure you are an affiliate for those products and services and be crystal clear. I mean, affiliate marketing is kind of like the icing on the cake with online marketing. Truthfully, I always thought offline businesses were missing out. I mean, just think if they had been referring customers. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, some do, some don't. But as an example, it's cheaper for us to acquire a customer through an affiliate sale than it is a paid ad for the planner. It's a win-win for the affiliate and us. Not to mention, you get put in front of an entirely new audience. So if you're not a born salesman making offers to your audience, can feel so much harder than it really is. 
You know, you see people online teaching, you know, how to sell without being salesy. Nobody wants to feel like a used car salesman, but I can guarantee you that you won't when you've put the time and energy into the things that I've already mentioned. Like I will never apologize for making an offer again. And some people might be thinking, why did you ever? But when you're clear on the problem you're solving, who you're helping, when you understand direct response marketing and you're in alignment with what feels right for you, it doesn't feel bad. And then you start getting emails. You guys, the testimonials and emails that we have gotten for this planner make me giddy. I mean, constantly someone's like, oh my God, this cut down on our planning. And I, I should have had one open in front of me, but it's been such validation because this all came from the right place, right? So this brings me to my next bit of advice, which is to trust your gut and stay in alignment with who you are. Oh boy. It's a tough one, guys. It's like if you could put blinders on for your brain, right? Like to block out all of the nonsense. My big epiphany in 2016 came about after I had jumped into things too quickly and I chased shiny objects. That mastermind, I said, I was in that for a few years, which I have zero regrets about. It was a great experience. I created some wonderful friendships and I really got to see a lot of different business models, right? But I kept trying to make what I was doing fit into what other people thought I was doing or should be doing. And hear my heart on this one. When you're not clear, it's hard for people to, to feed you back what you need because they're interpreting what you're telling them, right? All of this came down to not trusting myself. I'm sure I've used this analogy before. Uh, my therapist said to me once, she said, Kim, people are going to hit the ball based on how you serve it. So if you're going to serve a, a ball, if you're going to throw the ball and it's doubt and, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I was like, unclarity, not a word, you know, but when you're not clear and you're doubting yourself, people are going to hit it back to you the same way, right? They're going to do their best based on what you're giving them. So it, again, it all came down to me not trusting myself. The things that I love doing, creating content, podcasting, etc., were kind of put on the back burner while I tried to find my right, quote unquote, high ticket offer. I would say again, that the podcasting service came pretty close because I love podcasting, but it still felt out of alignment. I mean, I had a big team, I had people editing, I had a project manager, I had a designer, I was like, and I love having contractors be a part of something. Um, but it's much more of a contract basis versus let me manage you. Let me hire you to do your awesomeness and, <laughs> and we'll reconnoiter, make sure we're all on, t- on track, right? I was just trying way too hard at the wrong things. But you guys, it was all vitally important. I, I truly believe, you know, it is the journey. That was actually my high school senior quote. Success is not the destination, but the quality of the journey. I don't know who originally said it. Um, but I learned a lot about myself that how I want to feel and what brings me joy has to be a priority. You know, as I said, I connected with amazing people who have become dear friends. I did some super fun stuff. We raced Ferraris in Vegas. I went on a hot air balloon, zip lining in Hawaii. I mean, it was crazy, crazy fun, right? And the cool thing about that stuff, when you put yourself in those situations where, okay, well, maybe... I didn't get the business ROA. It opened my mind. I'm totally using my hands, guys, like you can see me like, but it just opened my mind to 
a new, I don't want to say a new way of life, but possibility. And I thrive on that and hope and possibility and potential. That stuff drives me. And, you know, as an example, like I'm never going to be somebody that has a desire for a Learjet. I, I rode on a private jet once. It was fun. Meh. I'd be content with first class. I doesn't get my goat, <laughs> but you know, it really, I, I learned a lot and I really did love being a part of a mastermind. There is so much value in being around like-minded people who support you and want to see you win. Uh, it, to the point, Jody and I will be launching one later this year. Drum roll. More on that later. Uh, but lastly, guys, so just to reiterate, that point was to trust your gut and stay in alignment with who you are. The last one is that, oh gosh, it all comes down to relationships. I can honestly say that had I not invested in relationships from day one, I would probably have given this up a long time ago. Okay, maybe not giving it up entirely, but I think it would have been even more of a struggle. But whether it's been through friends or mentors or peers, growing my business and the success I've had has come down to the relationships I fostered along the way. Some relationships have come and gone, and some I have completely dropped the ball on. I know without a doubt that I'm responsible for some of those going sideways. But I'm also way past being disappointed in people or myself um, and having expectations of what someone else should be doing for me. I've set myself up for disappointment so many times in the past. Then, And like I said, I have no doubt that I've disappointed other people or will disappoint other people. I'm only human. Uh, my intention is to do the right thing by people all the time. But but you guys, life, life is hard. And I don't mean that like to be depressing, but holy moly, I've been through enough crap in my life to know that, you know, none of us get out of this unscathed. And it's, it's who you become and what you do with that, right? So that being said, this is also why I choose to focus my marketing efforts on things that I can control. I ran a virtual summit a couple of years ago, and I had a handful of speakers who were friends that did nothing to share or promote the summit or even their own session. At the time, I was totally hurt. Now, meh, <laughs> you know, we all have things that happen in our lives that for one reason or another, we end up not doing what we said we were going to do. Sometimes life throws you personal curveballs that you're not interested in making public. Um, and you simply are doing the best you can one day at a time. And that's something I really subscribe to. I do think most people are doing the best they can. Um, you know, so at this point, if I ask someone to participate in something, I do it with zero expectations on their part. And personally, I will never run a summit again. That's for another episode. I'm not negating them. Um, it's so much work for a hope right? I think that I would rather put that time and energy into something um, that I have more control over. And at this point, like having enough data with paid traffic, I'd rather run ads, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> maybe I still sound bitter. <laughs> time for another therapy appointment. Okay. Um, but one thing I have noticed is that entrepreneurs who are running a very successful business, I've noticed that they don't spend a ton of time promoting other people. It does not mean they don't care or are self-absorbed. It simply means they're focused. You know, so you have to really look at what works for you and stick with it. You also get to change your mind and reevaluate at any time. I am sure there are things that I have said on my podcast, maybe when it was the WordPress Chick podcast, you know, never 
always. And now I've completely contradicted myself. But guess what? It's my business. (laughs) It has to feel right for you. And it won't or excuse me, or it won't feel right for your customers. So just trust that. Again, this comes back to that trusting yourself. If you do things that are in alignment with who you are and how you move through the world, and your intention is always to do the best you can, it's it's okay. It's going to work out. I promise you. All right. So I think I'm actually liking this second version of the recording better than the first. Please let there be no static. Um, <laughs> Before I wrap this up, I just have a couple little bullet points, bits of advice here. So uh, the first one is to be consistent. This can be hard at times and life can get in the way. I am a perfect example of this, but I will always get back up on the damn horse. It's okay. Pick up where you left off and keep going. On that, I want to say this too, like, it oftentimes, and I, I would do this a lot where it's like, you know, when you've been MIA or you've been quiet, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't heard from me. And I'm so sorry. I haven't heard from me. One sorry is enough. Then move on. And I, and I believe that because I feel that one, it not that it's falling on deaf ears, but I think the habit of over apologizing does a lot more personal damage. Um, so one apology is plenty. And I don't often do that anymore. Um, I just jump back in. All right. Next up is to be kind. This will pay off more than you can imagine. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to the people you work with. If you are feeling unkind, zip it. <laughs> just walk away from the computer. Don't engage. Give yourself that buffer. I know this all too well about myself now that it's like, you know what? You just need to simmer down and leave this alone till tomorrow. Um, next is to have fun. This truly is one of my top priorities. I did not get into business for myself to create a job, which it felt like on many occasions. And I usually ended up there because I hadn't trusted myself, right? Does that mean that I love every task I do? Nope, <laughs> not even kind of. However, you know, I can remind myself that, oh, God, there was a week was right one whole week, right? Um, but where I felt like I was so mirrored in admin and we were moving hosts for the planner and I was trying to court, I just, it was a whole icky week of just admin tech support stuff. And I was like, I caught myself feeling pissy and I was like, poor you, Kim, like you guys are making $41,000 this month. It's tough, isn't it? Like I reframed it pretty quickly. Like, you have a business that is doing well that you love with somebody you adore and admire. So how about you suck it up and do these tasks this week, right? And I know it's the way I talk to myself is probably not always great, but a little humor goes a long way. Next up is to understand that you are never done. There is always more work you can do in this space. So find the balance however you need to. But creating and growing a business takes every ounce of who you are. So make sure you feel full and don't force things. So this podcast is perfect, you guys. I am, I've had a ton of rest. I'm, I'm settled. I'm unpacked. And it was like, I want to get this out. So it's like, well, I feel good. I'm going to re-record this. If I had been, you know, really tired or my allergies besides making me sound like, you know, scruff McDuff. Um, but if I was really feeling bad, I wouldn't have done this today. So don't force things. 
at the same time, you want to be careful that you don't, um, how do I, how do I want to phrase this? That you don't use that as an excuse, right? It's very easy to think you have to wait for the inspiration. Sometimes you need to parent yourself and say, no, go do the work, go do the work. But just keep that in mind. You're never done. Um, so enjoy the journey, which is the next point. The journey matters. Let go of the defined outcome, have intentions, set goals, but stay fluid and flexible, right? I mean, when you can pivot, like, gosh, what we're going through right now in the world, being able to pivot, there are so many people that are going to come out of this thriving. And heartbreakingly enough, there are plenty of people that businesses are going to get closed, you know, and if you can stay fluid and flexible, you will come out ahead, I promise you. And lastly, another lastly, <laughs> I do like that. Can you have more than one lastly? Um, you guys stay curious, have fun with this. It's that curiosity. Think about like a little kid when they discover something new. It's just, I don't know, there's that magical sort of in awe feeling of, oh my gosh, I get to do this. I get to create the life I want on my own terms. Alrighty. On that note, I am signing off. You guys are awesome. Uh, thank you as always for listening. If you've not left a review on iTunes, since my poor podcast is getting back on track, um, I would love it. In the meantime, if you have not bought your planner, we do have a 20% off the entire store. Uh, there's a coupon code. It's on the site, create in place. You can get 20% off everything. We've got some bundles too, where you can get a planner in the class, physical, digital, buy three, get one free. There's a few different um, options there. So we also have the new Trello product. If you've not seen that and we have a couple new products coming out, Ugh, one should for sure be launching in May. Another one, maybe June. So we'll see. Anyways, again, I love you guys tons. As always, thanks for listening. Um, have fun. Life is too short, you guys. And on that note, I will catch you next time.